It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. With each passing day in the planetary asylum in which we find ourselves, we march ever further into completely uncharted territory in an increasingly Orwellian world. The commercial-free Global Alert News Hour starts now. Consider the following. From George Orwell, quote, The people will believe what the media tells them they believe. And there's this also from George Orwell. Quote, All tyrannies rule through fraud and force. But once the fraud is exposed, they must rely exclusively on force. The controller-orchestrated theater of mass distraction has been put into overdrive. This should come as no surprise. The engineered CV-19 scenario continues to be carried out. Eventual military involvement is likely. But what is the bottom line backdrop in this entire equation? What is ultimately the core factor that will most immediately and completely determine our collective fate? The controllers continue to successfully polarize, divide, and thus completely distract populations from the rapidly encircling existential threats that we will very soon face. Question. Are vaccines, global warming, i.e. abrupt climate and environmental collapse, and population control connected? Let's start with this from Mr. Bill Gates. I'll let the listeners decide for themselves what it means, what the ramifications are, Listen closely. This equation has four factors, a little bit of multiplication. So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Now uh, that's back from high school algebra, but let's, let's take a look. Uh, first we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Mr. Gates, how exactly? Does your equation work? That vaccines are a core component to reducing global populations by 10 or 15%. Now consider this recent statement by Mr. Gates. Listen closely. And then the final solution, uh, which is a year to two years off, is the vaccine. So we. Question Which part of the global challenges Mr. Gates is concerned about is the vaccine the quote final solution for? Just asking the question, or as Mr. Gates suggested himself, all is connected. What final solution is Mr. Gates proposing for our planet? This statement from CNBC, quote, Bill Gates is backing the first high-altitude experiment of one radical climate change, quote, solution. CNBC states, creating a massive chemical cloud that could cool Earth. Yes, climate engineering. 
solar radiation management operations. Mr. Gates, you certainly know geoengineering operations have long since been fully deployed with increasingly catastrophic results. On last week's broadcast, I aired a few excerpts from a live on-air moderated debate on climate engineering conducted by New York's Pacifica Radio. The debate was between myself and scientist Dr. Douglas McMartin, who was prominently covered in a recent New York Times report on climate engineering. If you heard these excerpts, or if you perhaps listened to the entire recording of the debate, which was linked under the October 31st post of Global Alert News, did Dr. McMartin convince you he was telling the truth? Did he convince you that he even knew what the truth was? In a moment, some revealing audio excerpts of another live, on-air, moderated debate on the reality of climate engineering, also conducted by WBAI, Pacifica Radio in New York. This debate was between myself and Canadian scientist and climate researcher Paul Beckwith from the University of Ottawa. See if Professor Beckwith can convince you that he's telling the truth or if he even knows what the truth is. Um, and, you know, I guess, I guess I just see, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it's obvious, if, if people are trying to geoengineer to, to cool the planet because of climate change, um, it's certainly not working. I mean, temperatures are still skyrocketing. Our climate disasters are getting a lot worse. You know, if we wanted, there, there are, I can tell you of some definite things that are going on in attempts to look at, study, um, you know, uh, solar radiation management or geoengineering. I mean, one idea that was just in the press a few days ago was little silica particles to put on the ice. It's basically sand, very highly reflective, but it's very, it's very you know, a very reflective white sand. So about the size of a human hair. So if you put that on the sea ice, and they're testing this in Alaska on the lake. They're trying to see whether it can preserve ice on the lake, whether it'll last, stick around for a while. Um, David Keith is looking at spraying water or sulfur from a balloon uh, in, in the atmosphere to, uh, to, to, look, to, to, look, to, to, to do, to do that. People are looking at um, ways to put solar panels, solar pumps on the sea ice to pump water from below the ice onto the surface of the ice where it can freeze if the, if the air is still above below zero because ice is a very good insulator. So people are starting to do some of these, and you can sort of track the funding. I mean, what you're talking about... I think about we're diverging, though, Paul. I, forgive me, I don't want to diverge from the subject at hand of all the various proposals, which I would argue are simply red herrings to take people's eye off the fact or to confuse them as to the fact that climate engineering is ongoing, and, and what I'm trying to a ask you, if, if, if you'll let me, on the blue skies part, uh, we don't see many here in Northern California. Perhaps you see some in Canada, although we hear from many people in Canada that don't see them now as well either, and climate engineering, specifically stated by science institutions around the globe, will completely alter our once blue skies. That's in fact what we see. But my question to you, again, is uh, very simply, if you could ask, if, if we know, we have film footage to prove over and over and over that aircraft emissions, whatever we want to consider the composition of those emissions, can and are blotting out the entire sky frequently, constantly, consistently, how can we not consider that a form of geoengineering? How can that not be considered in the equation? And if that's not geoengineering, if you're saying that that's not actually geoengineering, how do you know that? And if that's not geoengineering, what exactly would stratospheric aerosol geoengineering look like when it's proposed to be sprayed particulates from jets? If it doesn't look like that, what would it look like? Okay, well, well spraying uh, sulfur dust 
strain sulfur. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, Paul, let me jump in for a second. Can you yeah, answer? Uh, hold on, hold on. I know he answered. He asked a lot of questions, but I want. Could you answer? Could you answer this question in particular? How do you know for sure that geoengineering isn't occurring in the way that Dane described? Like, what data are you? Do you have that convinces you? Well, you know, science. Um, okay, so. First of all, there, there's a number. I, I, I don't. I would argue. Okay, there, there's no way you're blocking 80 percent of the sunlight. Um, no, I didn't say sunlight. But I said 80 percent of solar power uptake. I just don't. I just don't quite believe those numbers. These are our scientists, our so-called experts, that our Orwellian society has taught us to blindly believe. Let's stop here for a moment to analyze what Professor Beckwith has stated so far. First, though Beckwith seems to completely believe in the pseudoscience proposals of covering the Arctic with white sand as a climate engineering cure, and next he seems to support the completely science fiction so-called science proposal of building wind-powered water pumps to transport colder water from the seafloor to the sea surface in a completely insane attempt to, quote, refreeze sea ice. The actual science proposal, which Beckwith cited, called for the construction of 10 million wind-powered water pumps. Really, Professor Beckwith, does Beckwith have any idea whatsoever how much resources it would take to build and transport 10 million wind-powered water pumps to the Arctic than to maintain them? And what would be the end result of pumping colder seafloor water to the surface? Warm water would reach the seafloor, further thawing and releasing the vast deposits of frozen methane stored there. That methane would then migrate into the atmosphere, cover the planet like a layer of glass. Game over. For all terrestrial life on planet Earth and perhaps the entire web of life, methane is 120 times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. What a great solution, Mr. Beckwith. The discussion in this debate is of near-term existential threats that will very soon decide our near-term existence on this planet. It is, in fact, these very issues which the power structure is trying so desperately to confuse populations about and to distract them from until the last possible moment. Professor Beckwith further references Dr. David Keith's proposal of using a hot air balloon to carry reflective particles into the atmosphere to be released. Dr. David Keith is the world's most recognized geoengineer. He is the public disinformation top actor in this play. And I have played previously on this broadcast my confrontations with Dr. David Keith, which I was banned from the following international climate engineering conferences. So Professor Beckwith seems to believe in all these so-called science solutions, spreading sand over the ice in the Arctic, 10 million wind-powered water pumps, and using hot air balloons to spread particles into the sky. He doesn't seem to see the countless jet aircraft actually performing the task of so-called solar radiation management. When the moderator asks Beckwith to cite facts that would back up his denial of ongoing climate engineering operations, Dr. Beckwith comes up with exactly nothing. Then he tries to divert the conversation by falsely accusing me of stating that 80% of the sun is being blocked by the climate engineering operations, a statement which I have never made, ever. Rather, I had only earlier in the debate cited the amount of solar power that was sometimes lost 
by direct sunlight being obscured. These are our so-called scientists, our so-called experts. More from Professor Beckwith. Listen closely. Well, again, what I refer to in 60 to 80% loss of photovoltaic power uptake, not 80% loss of visible light. Two very different things, so please clarify that. But in regards to, again, what you assume is condensation, and I would ask you how you how you know that's condensation and what study do you refer that proves conclusively what we each of us are seeing in the skies in each particular case is condensation in regard to the jet engines paul are you familiar with the difference between a high bypass turbofan a low bypass turbofan or a straight turbofan jet engine are you familiar with the design characteristic differences in those engines well i listened to um i listened to the aerospace engineer that you were uh, talking about it, it has to do those type of. I mean, what what is really important is the temperature of the air coming out of the back of the. No, it matters. It matters. Let me. I just ask. I'm just asking if you're familiar. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. want to divert. You're changing. You're changing the subject, though. I don't want to do that. I want to finish this question. If you can let me finish, I'll clarify for you. In, for example, a turbofan jet engine, 100% of the the air that moves to that engine is exposed to the engine combustion. In the case of a high bypass, it's only 15%. Very different design characteristics, we have atmospheric relative humidity declining, not escalating. It should be escalating on a warming planet. You and I would agree, but it's not. We have unimaginably low humidities at altitude and engines which only 15% of the air, that's a jet-powered fan, only 15% of the air that passes through a high bypass is combusted. That engine by design is nearly incapable of producing any condensation trail. And in regard to the missing trillions, you're correct. I challenge any of your listeners, Jeff, to look it up. The Pentagon is missing trillions of dollars. Estimates go from $8 trillion to $30 trillion. Unaccounted for. Trillions of dollars, Paul, as you said. And this is not conspiracy theory. That's not a conjecture or hypothesis. It's confirmed fact. So I, I'm saying that I'm asking okay, you to just... Go ahead. Okay, okay, so is this just in the U.S. you're talking about then? Are you saying that every Pentagon. government in the country has, has... Okay, but what about uh, what about people in Australia that, that say this is going on? Is the Australian government spending their military doing the same thing? Is the military in China doing the same thing? We're a big place, right? Okay. okay. No, just uh, seriously. I mean, I'm trying to answer. It's a good question. Global, um, thing. I'm trying to answer. So we have a, we have a nearly 800-page Senate document that expressly calls for the cooperation of otherwise opposing governments and powers in regard to climate engineering because of the cross-border ramifications. So although I don't have access to the actual budgets in China or Australia, I certainly have access to what is confirmed in the U.S. And as you stated, there would be trillions missing, and in fact there are, and that's confirmed fact. So the bottom line is... We can argue semantics, we can argue fine points, but we're back to the statement that, you know, I, I would like, I would be grateful if you would answer, when we have aircraft emissions that expand and linger, whatever those emissions are, whatever the composition is, that block the entire skyline, how can that not be considered a form of geoengineering, whether intentional or otherwise? And, and if that's not geoengineering, if that's not solar radiation management as described in patents and science study, describing jet aircraft spraying, like scattering particles, as David Keith called for and, and others, Ken Caldera, if that's not geoengineering, what would geoengineering look like? Is it going to block even more sun than we already see? What would it look like if this isn't geoengineering we're already seeing? 
If you, uh, so, so what would it look like? If you put sulfur dioxide up into the stratosphere for the objective of geoengineering to, to, to cool the climate, to bring some stability, then it would block, it would look like, you wouldn't even notice it on the ground. It would block about one, one to one percent of the light, two percent at the most. That's it. Let's do a little recap of that segment. So Dr. Beckwith states that if climate engineering was going on, it would block only 1% or 2% of the sun, and we wouldn't even be able to see these operations, he says. Stop and consider the absurdity of this entire exchange. Beckwith, in lockstep with the so-called science community, tenaciously claims that the often sky-covering jet aircraft emissions, which often block 30% or more of direct sunlight, is not actually climate engineering. Again, the so-called climate science community emphatically over the course of decades telling us and backed up by so-called elected officials telling us that we're not actually seeing what we're seeing. But if it were going on, we wouldn't be seeing it. We live in an asylum with so-called science experts that only know what they have been told to believe by those who provide their paychecks and pensions or only at least say what they're told to say. For the record, the highly toxic fallout of these jet emissions is comprised of elements like aluminum, the primary component listed in climate engineering patents, aluminum nanoparticulates. Precipitation tests from all over the globe confirm this heavy metal fallout is ubiquitous on our planet. It is in every breath we take. An extended insight segment of geoengineeringwatch.org's coming documentary, The Dimming, will soon be posted and will provide groundbreaking proof of what heavy aircraft are dispersing in our skies. Stay tuned. Back to Professor Beckwith. What else does he have to say? Like, like it's just maybe, hopefully it's not just a semantic thing, thing with the, the definition of the word. Right? Because I'm using the definition from Webster's or, 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 or the Oxford... You know, the intentional large-scale modification of the climate. So industrial, the industrial, our industrialized society is forgiving us, uh, you know, letting us advance in, as a society and do things and stuff. It's not to intentionally destroy this planet, right? It's an inadvertent effect. And this is what we've got to come to grips with. This is why it's so difficult to deal with climate change, because it's the basis for our entire civilization. Paul, how are you so um, certain that it is an unintentional effect in terms of uh, what Dane is speaking of, and that is a a deliberate uh, aerosol operation going on uh, that is uh, affecting uh, the the heat balance uh, and um, that is visible to many people uh, across the the world, Uh, and and, and uh, what data are you looking at that uh, keeps you, keeps you convinced that it is not occurring? I try to just keep things uh, as simple as possible. Okay? I mean, I try to look at the... I, I do thinking for myself. I go into the lit- peer-reviewed literature and see what's going on, but I, I, I do thinking for myself. Like, like, for example, the Arctic warming like crazy, and literally warming like crazy means obviously that it throws off the heat balance on the planet. So the way jet streams form is because of the temperature difference. The Arctic cold, the equator's warm. Air moves from cold areas to hot areas to cold areas. It does it 
how is heat moved on the planet? It moves in the atmosphere, it moves in the ocean, about a third in the ocean, sets up the ocean current, the Gulf Stream, the Kuroshio current. In the air, it forms the jet streams. If that temperature difference decreases, the jet streams get wavier, you get stuck jet streams and extreme weather events. So I, I, I look from basic principles, basic physical principles about how the, the Earth is rotating so things deflect to the right in the northern hemisphere. I look at the basic principles and create a picture. How does, I, I, I don't understand how that, how that in any way answers Jeff's question. I don't understand. Well, well, what it means is that this weather disruption that we're seeing around the planet is due to the changing planetary system. The change, the way heat balance has changed. You, you, you can't, you can invoke trillion dollar secret programs around the globe, but that doesn't, that, I, I don't want to do that. I don't need to do that to, to explain why we're seeing the disruption that we're seeing right now. Um, Maybe you don't you need know, to do that, but that doesn't, does that negate the reality, Paul? When we have literally well, well, similar well, atmospheric conditions, let me, let me just get one point and you can answer it. Similar atmospheric conditions, we have grid patterns one day with east-west lights that do not exist commercially over our area, forming grid patterns, literally. Next day, we may have nothing. We have film footage of jet aircraft leaving a trail from horizon to horizon next to an aircraft, similar altitude, leaving nothing. We have film footage of an aircraft leaving a trail okay. from horizon to horizon that stopped okay, so and it was cut with a knife. We have photographs so, of nozzles so on the that, aircraft. What, what is it doing? What, what, what's the purpose of it? Like, what is it doing? It, it, it doesn't affect the warming of the Arctic. It doesn't affect the extreme weather events. It cuts cooling where you are. So if the sky is blocking, if you're blocking 60 to 80% of light, I'm sorry, it's not going to be hot on the ground. It's going to be cold. Okay, so is that what is being done for? Dane, um, Dane. Why would the government spend trillions of dollars to make it cold over California? I, I don't understand. In that segment, Beckwith gives another example of the myopic and dogmatic mentality of so many in the climate science community that only hear what they want to hear and only believe what they're told to believe. And though Professor Beckwith had been told again and again and again during this debate that these programs were absolutely global, he somehow ends up trying to infer that I'm stating that climate engineering operations are, quote, only over California, and that he asks, Beckwith asks, why would the government spend trillions of dollars to cool, quote, California? Again, I've never, ever made any such statement. But this is what we get from so-called academia. When they have no facts to back up or to answer questions during a debate, they simply try to make false claims and divert attention elsewhere. Let's listen to a little more from this exchange. Uh, Well, listeners uh, know from past shows and and a lot of the research uh, provided by Dane and others that geoengineering has been used as currently being used to create droughts and ruin farmers' livelihoods and as political punishment. And also... Uh, we won't make those conjectures, but Jeff, what we, what we would state is this, that certainly that is a result. Uh, we don't make those kind of conjectures on geoengineeringwatch.org. We're, we're simply saying that's yeah. a consequence. Right, others. The agendas we can, we can discuss or we can uh, debate, but uh, right, we're right. stating that's okay. a consequence. Not okay. So, and I'm saying if the jet streams are wavy and distorted and getting stuck, and this is why we get torrential rains, like five feet of rain in Hawaii just a few days ago. This is why we had, uh, you know, we're getting droughts in other places because the jet streams, 
get stuck. And in the rich of the jet stream, it's hot and warm. And in the trough, it's stormy and, and cold. And these things get stuck. And they, it explains why there's global weather disruption. And it's because the Arctic is so warm. Like, I, I you know, look. I, I don't think water, we're here to discuss that, though, Paul. We're here to discuss the... the uh, the difference I, mean, are, are, I thought that's well, what people care about. Well, when you say that's right, when you say the the jet stream is stuck, uh, Dane, can you talk about how even the jet stream is being manipulated? Can you talk about that element? Well, uh, Paul, if, if ionosphere heater, which we know exists, and I encourage listeners to look this up, don't believe me, we have ground based ground based radio frequency microwave transmitters that can verifiably heat the ionosphere because it causes an electrical chain reaction to extraordinary temperatures. This causes a bulge in the atmosphere. Stated purpose is to slow an incoming ICBM, but that bulge in the atmosphere creates pressure zones in the lower atmosphere, i.e. that can affect upper-level wind patterns. And this is not being acknowledged either. But, but Paul, back to whatever the, the natural processes of the climate were, I, I'm asking again, how can you state with any certainty that what we are seeing in our skies is not solar radiation management when, again, high-bypass turbofan jet engine, not conducive to contrail formation, except under the most extreme and rare circumstances, grid patterns with aircraft trails running completely perpendicular to commercial routes, film footage of aircraft turning on and off, and photographs of aircraft with retrofit nozzles mounted on the pylons aimed at the exhaust jet stream nozzles, and photographs from the aircraft interiors with pressurized tanks, Paul, that can only be used for some sort of spray dispersion. We have all of that evidence. How can you discount all that evidence and say that you're, you're not, not sure you're, you're not, you know, if you're talking about this being over California... Okay. No. Did I say that? Did I say that? Did I ever say that? I don't have it where I am. I, I, I well, that's interesting because we have a lot of photos from Canada and all over the world, but I never. Yeah, well, said. you know, I, I I was walking along the canal. I took a video, and people said, "Hey, the sky in the back. There's all these trails and stuff." It's like, listen. Let me put it this way: If a ball is rolling down a hill, I say I would just argue it's gravity. Okay. It seems to me that you would cite about ten different papers on it. You talk about maybe a motor inside the ball, or you talk about uh, something happening, there's a planet up there that's making gravity. Oh, I'm just asking like, you to I cite some facts. Don't, don't, please don't make preposterous analogies, Paul. I, I'm asking you to cite some facts, as I have. Photographs, film footage, documents. I'm asking you to cite some facts other than... I'm talking about global climate disruption, and I've explained why. You know, the, the linchpin of this system is the Arctic. The Arctic is warming like crazy. I mean, the high Arctic would be 20 degrees Celsius, 40 degrees Fahrenheit, warmer than normal over vast regions. And there's reasons for that. It's because the heat balance has changed. Okay, the Arctic is a lot darker. The Arctic overall used to reflect 52% of the light. That well, number's gone down to 48%. So I'm Arctic not arguing that. Can, can we keep it on this, theme? I, I'm just asking to keep it on theme. We're here to discuss climate engineering and why you think it's not happening. And well, we're, not, look at we're not arguing that fact. Okay, well, look at the physics of the jet streams. Why do the jet streams exist? Because of the heat movement and it gets oh, focused and concentrated. So, the jet, so obviously, no, I'm just talking about, I don't know about, the, your, about what, you, what you're seeing in the sky in California. I'm not there myself, but I know, it, I know that globally, you know, it's just too far-fetched for me that all of these uh, d different groups would be conspiring and this stuff wouldn't have been uncovered years and years ago and stopped 
being done or... Is that really a solid argument, though, Paul? Because that's sort of the standard narrative. That, that, you know, it just seems impossible, so therefore it can't be. It's not working, well, so you know therefore what? it can't no, be. No it's the same argument that Doug McMartin, Paul, put out, that because no, it wasn't no, his particular definition of geoengineering, it couldn't be so. Yeah. I hear you saying the same thing. It, it, it's not working, therefore it can't be. There's no way they can hide it, so therefore it can't be. No, no, Dane, it's... Uh, listen, the, I mean, there is a scientific community... There's thousands of scientists, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds, you know. Well, the federal gag order on this, by the way. Do you know that, Paul? Do you know that? We're going to answer that question before you move on. You know there's a federal gag order on all National Weather Service and no employees, do you not? On top of the fact they have no First Amendment protection. Pardon me? To talk about... To talk about what? A federal gag order on what? Like you what can review the document yourself, yourself to discuss any agency operations whatsoever. There's a gag order. So, again, okay. the, the notion that it just uh, can't be... Well, Paul, I'm just asking for some facts. I'm asking for a response to okay, what, well, what here, I just... Here's what I recommend that you do, Dane. Um, subscribe to... Um, subscribe to... I can send you the email. Subscribe to some geoengineering groups with scientists, okay? It's scientists. There's, there's like hundreds of scientists emailing back and forth on all different topics on geoengineering. And, and start and, and start putting some of your evidence on there, and, and, and you know, I seeing how they'll respond or don't because they'll just uh, discount it. So just follow what they say and what they talk about. They talk about the spice experiment, for example, that Keith is going to do. They talk about. Uh, you so know, we should I, blindly I, believe whatever academia and whatever no, official no, agencies tell us. That, that makes no, sense. I'm just I'm just saying if I'm if I'm going to if I'm going to listen to, you know, I just I you know. I, I try to follow science as much as I can, and I, I have not studied. I have not spent 15 years looking at what you've been looking at. I look at the overall climate. I look at the Arctic. I look at the jet streams. I look at the weather events, and I can explain things that are happening by not invoking any sort of secret military program or. I well, why do you think the aircraft? Stuff. We have multiple pictures of, of aircraft, passenger aircraft, even with that are filled completely with pressurized tanks. Why do you think those tanks are there, Paul? Why do you think they have nozzles on the aircraft? Well, I mean, you don't know those tanks. Maybe it's a spray, maybe it's a low-level spraying operation, spray, farmer spraying hmm. field. Maybe, with, maybe with it's a, an with a passenger aircraft. Too. They're crop dusting with passenger aircraft, Airbus 300s, and, and other large aircraft. Military where are they in the hold or something? They're, they're, they're well, obviously, you have a very strong opinion. Having, you, uh, as Jeff asked you to do, to look at this data, I think, Paul, would, would certainly be helpful to form a, an opinion yeah, based I've on... Yeah, I've looked at the data, and I think it's very easy to doctor photographs. It's very easy to, to spread fake news or false information about things with photographs or with videos. Let's stop there for a moment. What's the foundation for Beckwith's conclusions? That massive jet aircraft with interior tanks and retrofit nozzles are being used for, quote, crop dusting? Really, Professor Beckwith? And this from Beckwith, that the countless images of geoengineered skies from all over the world are just faked photos. This is the best defensive denial that Beckwith can come up with. I challenge listeners to check the Geoengineering Watch photo gallery page on Facebook, for the largest and most shocking expose of global climate engineering operations. Final audio segment of this debate.
that data. And Paul, I, forgive me, but that seems a very weak and, and very um, inappropriate narrative that lacks facts to simply parrot the official sort of statements of knee-jerk denial without looking at the data. I, I, I think that's not really something to do, Paul. I, I, I try to read as many papers as I can on weather modification experiments and things like that. I, I know there there's, like, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me what to to uh, block out sixty to eighty percent of the sun over California. Say to I didn't say it was specifically over California, Paul. Paul, let me interrupt for a second. Why do you keep saying that? Because that's uh, Dane has corrected you on that three times now, but you keep going back to the same comment. I, I'm a little well, surprised at your behavior, to tell you the truth, since um, you've been invited back on. I didn't expect you to go this direction. Uh, if we could, I, I do appreciate Paul coming back, though. I Paul, do too, let but... me ask you this question, I'll leave it to you. Do you think governments around the globe would ask our permission before engaging in programs when we have our military stating on the record they consider, rightfully so, the collapsing climate to be the greatest national security threat of all? Do you think they would ask public permission before they deployed these programs, which, again, we have Senate documents to prove they've already been deployed for 70 years, but do you think they would ask for permission before they did this? No, no, I don't think they would ask permission. And also, we don't account for the military, all, all the military missions and equipment. Those, aren't, those numbers aren't even counted in greenhouse gas emissions from the U.S. They're excluded. I realize that, but same again... With Canada, but same with Canada, yeah. yeah. I mean, climate the military, again, based, based on the fact that everything we see is exactly what's stated as will be an expected result of climate engineering. The loss of blue skies, ozone layer destruction, which I know CFCs are an issue too, but climate engineering also a major issue that's scientifically verified. We have the same contaminants in the rain that we are told we would have that are showing up on climate engineering patents. We have a total disruption of the hydrological cycle. Everything that we would expect, and not the greenhouse gases aren't a part of that, but every dot connects including photographic imagery, Senate documents, government documents, why would we believe this isn't happening? I mean, I, I, I just don't, uh, other than the fact that you I, say... I don't, I don't think uh, every, every dot connects. I mean, the, the chemical studies of what's in the soils, our, our, our measurement technology is way better. We can detect hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chemicals, you know, what's in, that are in a human body or that are in a soil, in soil or any environment, and... That we're out, we're connected. You probably find radioisotopes from Chernobyl. I don't know what this. Um, yeah, we're, we're really diverging from the sub subject at hand again. No, no the, the point is that those tests are invalid. Okay, you can't use chemical tests to say that there's geoengineering going on, right? You can't, you can't measure precipitation you don't because in, industrial pollution. Uh, I already answered right. that too, Paul. Right. California right. Air Resources Board has studied the aerosols migrating across the Pacific from China. Aluminum was not amongst those aerosols. It's in the precipitation. It's in the air column now. Where is it coming from? Uh, have, you, have you talked to some – do you get anybody at the California Air Resources Board to agree with you on what you're saying? That I, just told, I just cited their own study. I just cited no, their no, own no, study, Paul. You've talked to them, talk to them and, tried to, and claimed that um, it's planes that are spraying stuff over your region, and do you get any agreement from any authorities, or are they under this gag order? Did, did, I, not, I, did I not answer that, Paul? This is obviously a very bad career decision or worse. Have I had a congressional aide approach me at the Capitol and say, we all know what's going on, we don't know what to do? Yes. Have I had a NOAA employee say the same thing in my face? Yes. Paul, what I'm saying is that this elephant in the room is incredibly massive. When we have aircraft that can cover the entire horizon doing grid patterns, non-commercial paths, and we have nothing the next day, or we have aircraft 
leaving a trail across the horizon that shuts off or starts again within a, a very short distance, on, off, on, off, like a Morse code. You can't tell me that's atmospheric conditions that are layered vertically. I'm asking people to look at the data, and I wish you would have done that. Aircraft interiors, well, you know, pressurized things. I'm asking, you, I'm asking you to focus on the things that are that are really important, like the warming Arctic and the jet Based region. on your hey. opinion. Based, no, no. I, I lectured on climate change before I did this. You're not talking about someone who denies the state of the climate. I'm simply saying, how can we have a legitimate discussion about the climate without including climate engineering? And I, it's at some point, this is going to break. At some point, this can't be hidden any longer. And I would argue that point is close. We're communicating with former Senate Armed Services Committee members, former Air Force personnel, university people. This will break, Paul. And I, I hope that you consider your lack of willingness to investigate. You, uh, you know, well, uh, Paul, I'm... A lack of willingness to actually conduct honest, objective investigation. That's what we have from academia. That's what we have from so-called elected officials on every side of the aisle. Towing the official denial. Because all of their positions, all of their paychecks, all of their pensions, and their personal paradigms, in fact, depend on them doubling down on this denial. And all the theater that we're surrounded by with virtually no mention whatsoever from any mainstream source that Earth's life support systems are collapsing. And why, why have I focused now the last 20 years of my life on this issue? Is it because this issue is just something that I happen to care more about than most people? No. It's a matter of priorities. If our head's on fire, we must overlook our skin knee and our stub toe. We must deal with the greatest threat first, or nothing else will matter. And in fact, that's what climate engineering is. Short of nuclear cataclysm, it is the greatest and most immediate threat we face. Why? Because it is, more than any other issue, completely disabling Earth's life support systems while it's being used as a weapon of war. It is, in fact, the crown jewel weapon of the military-industrial complex, not just of our country, but other powers all over the globe that have forced smaller countries to either actively or passively participate in the climate engineering assault. On next week's broadcast, November 14th, I will cover excerpts from a 800-page U.S. Senate document that outlines this global cooperation with climate engineering because of the cross-border ramifications. And to be clear, on the record, there is nothing benevolent in these programs. Absolutely nothing. They are, in effect, weather warfare and biological warfare because of the highly toxic elements being used in these programs. And when I state this, I'm referring to the elements that we have absolutely verified to be in these spray dispersions. As far as biological goes, biological elements in these operations, as I covered in a previous broadcast with an interview with an insider, that biologicals are being used to try to cut down on the fungal proliferation effect of these programs, and what other biologicals are being used. And about that fungal effect, we see that in the forest. The decimation of the trees that are in so many cases related to now epidemic fungal infections, human respiratory scenarios, 
more and more data surfacing on the immense mortality directly related to human particulate inhalation. And for those that know how toxic aluminum is and how toxic mercury is when it's ingested, each of these metals ingested, when they are inhaled, the human health ramifications are far more grave still because these elements enter through the nasal passages, they travel along the olfactory nerve, they can cross the blood-brain barrier, they adhere to cell receptors like a plaque, and is it any wonder, any wonder at all, that human diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia are off the scale along with an endless list of other related diseases? Most know that we're losing the bees. In fact, the entire insect population globally is completely collapsing. But in the case of the bees, we have peer-reviewed study to prove that they are dying of symptoms that resemble Alzheimer's and dementia in a human being. Why? Because they're packed full of aluminum. These highly toxic nanoparticulates of heavy metals are in every single breath we take. We have peer-reviewed studies. I challenge listeners to search bees slash aluminum, and you can find and read these studies for yourself. How is it this is not... The center of discussion with media, with scientists, with populations. How are we to fight any battle? How are we to face any challenge if every breath we take is laden with these highly toxic elements? And when you combine these elements like aluminum and mercury, both of which are now not only in various foods, in vaccinations, in every breath we take... Though each of these elements are highly toxic in and of themselves, when you combine mercury and aluminum, the toxicity can go up as much as 10,000%, 100 times worse. The effects are cumulative. These metals are very bioavailable, which means they're easily absorbed, and they're very bioaccumulative. And I've challenged many previous times, go out on a still, calm night, if you're away from industry in some location where aerosol operations have been taking place, shine the brightest flashlight you can find up into the sky, still calm, dark night, and you will be absolutely shocked at the amount of material raining down. And we know what some of this material is. Again, we have lab tests from all over the globe. It's not just organic dust particles. There's inorganics in this. Copious quantities of these metals. And again, it's showing up in every human test patient that is tested in hair, blood, urine. These metals are there. And they're wreaking havoc on us. And why would we think this is not serving the agenda of those in power, a population that is becoming increasingly less cognitively functional, increasingly less healthy, increasingly more diseased, and the inhalation of these particles makes all of us much more vulnerable to every imaginable form of pathogen, including CV-19. But whatever agendas or objectives the controllers are trying to carry out, the consequences of these objectives include the complete collapse of Earth's life support systems. It's not an objective, as many have tried to conclude. It's a consequence. When you behave like a cancer... The host eventually dies. And there is far too many in the population that still want to pretend that somehow the converging cataclysms that are closing in on us all are going to magically go away. That's not going to happen. Only by reaching a critical mass of awareness of the severity and immediacy of what we face 
and the reasons why we find ourselves in the situation only when a critical mass of awareness occurs do we have any chance of stopping the climate engineering insanity from the inside out and again it's not just climate engineering it's weather warfare it's biological warfare there's no arguing that fact when the data is examined our only chance is to wake up our military brothers and sisters to what they're participating in, in addition to the private contractors, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, so many individuals that live in societies with us that tell themselves they're just doing their job. They're doing something for the greater good because they're told they're doing something for the greater good, and they choose to blindly believe that. And that's not okay. It's not okay to conduct oneself in a manner that is unimaginably detrimental and deadly to the whole in exchange for a paycheck and a pension and the temporary preservation of one's personal paradigm. Biosphere collapse will remain the bottom line. Again, whatever objectives and agendas that the controllers are clearly trying to carry out, if we can push the climate engineering operations to the full light of day, we have a chance of stopping them from the inside out by those participating, standing down, realizing they are killing themselves, their families, their posterity, along with the rest of us. And this point, this horizon that we are in free fall toward is so unimaginably near. It's not centuries off or decades off. It's here now. The complete unraveling is here now. It will accelerate in the coming weeks and months. There will be headlines that will be almost impossible to hide. And thus, the again, the massive ramp up of orchestrated Distraction from all the controller-owned media sources. And the weather warfare they're waging on us continues to worsen. As geoengineeringwatch.org has pointed out for so many years, like the engineered drought scenarios on California, that now we're told, let's get to some headlines on this to back up what I'm saying. This is new from last week, from phys.org and other sources. This headline, evidence suggests more mega droughts are coming. This report says, these drier conditions prevail for centuries, sometimes for more than a thousand years, with El Nino events most likely increasing their severity. This is not a science study or conclusion. It's a paid-for message to program populations into accepting that these changes are somehow random acts of nature or just the result of industrialized activity, which is not true. And the climate engineering elephant in this equation continues to be denied by an academic community that has lost any sense of honor in almost every case. We're drowning in a sea of deception. So many in so-called academia are either actively or passively, consciously or unconsciously a part of it. Academia's continued denial of the highly destructive and toxic climate engineering operations is beyond criminal. The planet's life support systems are failing. Earth's protective atmospheric layers are unraveling, starting with the ozone layer. The greatest ozone-destroying factors are all related to climate engineering operations. Not the only ozone-destroying factors, but the greatest factors. How long does any rational individual believe the human race can survive without a functional environment and atmosphere? From insects to the whales and everything in between, populations are collapsing, as are our forests. No insects, no people. No wildlife populations, no people. No forests, no people. Dead oceans, no people. All of this is happening at once and at blinding speed. And even now, the vast majority are completely oblivious to the environmental collapse 
tidal wave that's towering above our collective heads. The vast majority are completely caught up in controller-orchestrated mass distraction. Climate engineering is the crown jewel of the controllers, a weapon that can be used to wage war on populations that are not even aware they're under assault. Nature is saddled with the blame for countless weather cataclysms that are a direct result of climate engineering operations. Would weather catastrophes occur even if climate engineering was halted? Of course they would. But due to countless forms of human activity completely disrupting the climate system with climate engineering being at the top of the list, nothing, no climate event can be considered, quote, natural at this point. There can be no discussion of the climate or the state of the climate, no legitimate discussion without first and foremost acknowledging the climate engineering aerosol spraying assault. Here's another headline from last week, which further reflects academia's criminal cover-up of climate engineering being put out by sources that are ultimately connected to power structure-controlled media. From fizz.org, quote, soot particles influence global warming more than previously assumed. What has geoengineeringwatch.org stated on the record for so many years? Everything is exponentially worse than anything we're being told. It's becoming difficult to hide now. So they blame all this massive particulate pollution on everything, anything, but the jet-sprayed dispersions that are so incredibly visible for anyone who chooses to look, look at the data, examine the facts. And this is not to deny industrialized pollution, not at all. We burn 100 million barrels of hydrocarbon fuel a day, 100 million barrels. Our forests are being incinerated, which puts particulate pollution in the atmosphere. Again, the forest incineration is most directly related to climate engineering. Please search the engineering wildfire sections on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org, the engineering drought sections. And let's go to the engineering winter section because that's the phase we're in now. The massive weather whiplash cooldowns, again, that are most profound in the continental U.S. Why? Because the U.S. military is bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined. They have by far the greatest capability of influencing the weather over their own nation. So we see now this massive and worsening extreme weather whiplash back and forth between the east and west coasts. West coast will fry while the east coast is chemically cooled with enough moisture and chemical ice nucleation. These are patented processes, patented elements, surface cool down, profound temperature changes, sometimes 60, 70 degrees in less than a day. This is not nature. This is climate engineering. So now again, as the West has been frying and the East Coast has been subjected to off and on chemical cool downs, now we're seeing the scheduled weather from NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, whose weather modeling is done by Raytheon, private defense contractor and geoengineering contractor. They're giving the schedule weather, and now the West Coast is going to see perhaps some record cold temperatures, while the East Coast sees record warm temperatures. Back and forth, back and forth. Search this and view this 15-minute video report. Geoengineering is creating freeze fry extremes search that watch that and understand that is exactly what is happening look at the NOAA maps our nation's weathermen the maps they're putting out which are ultimately coming from again geoengineering contractors like Raytheon and try to digest the severity of those maps there's not a meteorologist in the country that can walk and chew gum that doesn't know this is going on a few more headlines from last week before I run out of time from the UK Guardian quote in the sun they'd cook in quote the report states, is the U.S. Southwest getting too hot 
for farm animals. That report then states this. As temperatures rise, farmers are being forced to adapt, experimenting with new breeds and cooling methods. We see here in Northern California, even in November, in pastures, cows are hiding under trees because the UV is so intense they can't take it. When will this be acknowledged and faced by not just academia, but the population that should know at this point that something is radically wrong? Another headline from multiple sources. Rare October ice storm hits Oklahoma, leaving more than 300,000 customers without power. Ice storms now constantly a part of this scenario because the chemically nucleated atmospheric moisture hits the ground before it sets up. So there's typically a warm side to a quote winter storm and a cold side to a quote winter storm with a, an ice storm section in the middle as these nucleated materials are going to reach the ground before they set up. Another headline from Australia, 2.24 million lightning strikes in just 48 hours hit eastern Australia and massive hailstones, again a result of chemical ice nucleation, causing this nucleating process to occur far sooner than it otherwise would. Massive hailstorms are now routinely showing up all over the globe, the lightning strikes, because of these electrically conductive particulates, aluminum, barium, strontium, saturating the atmosphere, ionizing it, more electrically conductive, more lightning strikes, and over the drought-stricken areas, thus more fires. So many roads lead straight back to climate engineering. How long, again, will academia, elected officials, choose to ignore this? They'll ignore it as long as the population is willing to ignore it. Again, it's up to us. And speaking of governments that are trying to squash this issue, our Canadian lawsuit has been unjustly, but not surprisingly, dismissed. And now it's up to us to try to start legal action in the U.S. And we are rapidly running out of time. And as the environmental cataclysms increase in intensity and frequency with climate engineering further fueling the fire, those in power and the media they control will try to blame everything that's happening on nature, which includes pandemics, which includes the likely release of increasingly virulent pathogens into populations. They will try to blame that on nature. From numerous sources, this headline from last week along this exact theme, nature loss means deadlier future pandemics, UN warns. Blame nature for everything that's happening. And so long as the majority of the population is willing to accept the official lies, to accept the official deception, and to try to pretend that everything will somehow magically right itself if we can just elect the right person. So long as the population still buys into that deception, the ship will continue to go down. Consider a final profound statement from George Orwell. Quote, Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And that process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except the endless present in which the party, i.e. the controllers and the political systems they control, is always right. If we're not here to do our part for the greater good, to stand against the fading of the light, then why are we here? What do you want to be found doing when you take your last breath, when you meet your maker? If we stand together, we could yet make a difference for the better even at this late hour. Make your voice heard. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to find out how you can help to turn the tide. We must make every day count. Time is not on our side. Until next week, this is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org.